Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see you all. Well, I can't see you. You can see me, uh, but hope you are doing well. Um, just a few announcements I want to make before we go into the worship. Uh, first is just want to give a Thanksgiving uh, clap to the Lord and really the men and women who've been working behind the scenes and serving. Uh, shout out to yesterday's Women's Coffee in Quarantine time. Uh, I heard that was a blessed time. Uh, shout out to two weeks ago, Men's Bible Study and our ministry team of, of brothers just organizing that and leading that. Praise the Lord for that. Um, last week, we had Yonap Dash. And man, a lot of these elderly men and women were just so thankful, so blessed. Uh, so we actually created a video, which uh, we'll upload on Facebook that uh, Pastor Son made. Uh, but just really thank you all for serving, especially our elderly who have been kind of locked in home. Uh, they really appreciate that. And a really shout out to Josh. Josh is recording this always uh, week in, week out. Uh, Sam and David with audio, uh, with uh, uploading the website. Uh, our praise team, Josh, Tasir. Uh, today, our, our sisters, Tasir and Mimi, will be leading. Oh, and, and then Min uh, last week. Uh, so just really thankful. Uh, and yeah, as a church, uh, we're blessed. We're blessed, aren't we? Uh, second thing I want to share is uh, we have CG going on. Uh, and uh, join uh, your community group. Be consistent with that. Uh, it's been a blessed time uh, in our Irving CG. And just really thankful for the vulnerability that we can share and just uh, really pray for one another and just even laugh together. Uh, so do join uh, our CGs. Uh, the second one, I, uh, the third announcement is uh, we have Q&A. After this, at 1 o'clock, uh, if you have any questions or you want to talk more about the sermon or the passage, uh, please do join at that time. And then the last announcement, it has to do more with our Yonhap Church. Uh, we are voting for the Pastoral Search Committee. Uh, so many of you who are, uh, have been coming to our church and have been uh, involved, uh, you've received an email. Originally, it was supposed to be today, uh, but we decided to push back one more week. So on May 24th, and I'm stressing this because there was some changes, May 24th, there will be voting uh, for the members of the uh, Senior Pastor Search Committee. Uh, so that will be between 1230 to 2.30. Uh, so just want to highlight that change. Uh, if you have any further questions regarding that, just uh, shoot me an email or text me. Woo, a lot of announcements. Uh, but now let's go into a time of worship. Uh, worship is not uh, for us, but what we give to the Lord. Uh, and as we go into this time of worship, I just want to start us off by reading uh, Psalm 47 uh, for us. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. A great king over all the earth, he subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations, God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as a people of their God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God, He is highly exalted. Amen. Uh, as we prepare our hearts for this time, for the King that receives all glory and honor and praise, 
Uh, let's take a moment to quiet our hearts before Him and be ready uh, to receive His Word, uh, to worship Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for another uh, glorious day you have given us, a day in which you set apart so that, Lord, that we would encounter you to meet with you and to have this privilege of, of worshiping and exalting uh, the King who is so worthy. God, we thank you that you have made yourself known to us. God, that while we were still sinners, that Christ laid his life down for us. And God, this morning, we thank you that you are the God uh, who reigns above all things. You reign over our families. You reign over our church. You reign over our workplaces. You reign over all of our relationships, our marriage, our, our, our children, over all things. And this morning, God, may you be glorified and may your people know you more this morning. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, praise the Lord. Uh, you may hear some background noise. Uh, that's because we're, it's raining. It might not be raining today, but it was raining on the day it was being recorded. But uh, maybe we can understand it as God's blessing that he's pouring upon us. Uh, another thing, uh, please uh, take care of your Bibles. Uh, I do want to give us a few moments. You can even just pause right now, uh, grab the word, uh, because I, we want you to actually look for it, read it yourself. Uh, so we're not going to post, we're not going to put up on the screen, okay? Uh, so grab your Bibles. Uh, I want to share uh, with this, uh, uh, something that someone gave me. Uh, it, was a, it was a frame, and on this frame were, those, were the words of an individual's prayer. And it reads this way. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. Uh, this prayer uh, is written by, the name, uh, by a man named John Wesley. Uh, he was a uh, pastor in the 18, uh, 1700s, and he led great revivals uh, in the church in England. Uh, and later, uh, the societies that he formed uh, eventually formed the Methodist movement and a lot of the Methodist churches that we even see around here in Dallas. Uh, and just going back to this prayer, we don't hear prayers like this, do we? Uh, or perhaps we don't ourselves pray this type of prayer. And, and perhaps that is why when we look at Christianity in the old days, we think, man, that's when there was a lot of revivals, a lot of like deep uh, Christianity and spirituality. Because I think, not just for me, I think when you hear this prayer, I think two things that can come up to our minds about John Wesley's prayer. The first one is this. Uh, he, he was a man who fully surrendered to the Lord. And the second thing is this. God used him mightily and use mightily those who fully surrender to him. Uh, this morning, I want to ask you this question. Uh, are you and I fully surrendered to the Lord? I believe the Spirit of God wants us all to be fully surrendered to God every day. God wants us to be wholly surrendered to him, everything completely. Because if Jesus gave it all for you and I, and he did, it's not too much of him to ask for us to fully surrender to him. And I have faith that many of our members want to do that as well. But what is it that keeps us from fully surrendering to our Lord Jesus Christ? Before I talk about what is fully keeping us from surrendering to the Lord, uh, let me share two passages of devastating effects when Christians and the local church are not fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. The first passage I want to share is John 15, 4, where it says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
Uh, we're very familiar with that passage, but what, that, what does that mean? Jesus is saying, unless we're really attached and abiding and, and surrender to Him, we cannot grow or bear fruit. And likewise, if we are attached and we're connected to Him, we, we grow, we flourish, we bear fruit. Uh, another passage uh, of Jesus saying this directly is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 16, about the church in Laodicea. Now, some of you may be familiar with this, but Jesus says this, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot, with that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. What imagery Jesus uses. Uh, we don't want to be spat out. We don't want to be cold nor hot. We want to be hot and passionate for the Lord. So when we think of these passages, uh, it makes me think of this. Imagine, brothers and sisters, if you had, uh, maybe you have a spouse now, uh, but if you have a spouse and that spouse was not only married to you, but married to another person. Right? Some of you guys are thinking like, whoa, hold up. That's crazy. Yeah, it'd be crazy, right? How can you love one woman and another woman at the same time as your wife? How can you love one man and another man at the same time as your husband? And none of us would want to be loved partially by our spouses or significant others. So then why is it that we think Jesus would think otherwise or want otherwise? He wants us to be fully surrendered to Him, fully committed to Him. So what is it that's keeping us from really fully surrendering to Jesus Christ? Uh, it's because of our idols. It's because of our idols. We are trying to hold on to Jesus with one hand, and we are, we are holding on to idols on the other. Uh, we've been studying through the book of uh, Exodus, and it's taking place in Egypt. And when we think Egypt, we may think, oh, that ancient civilization back then, you know, pyramids. Uh, but I would like for us to see it this way. Egypt and where we live today is really not that much different. Egyptians, people at that time, and us today, we're not really that different. Uh, Egypt was an idolatrous nation with those who had idolatrous hearts. And we think over 3,000 years, we would hope that things would have changed. But no, nothing is new under the sun. People will tell you, no, we're a little bit more intellectually more advanced or we're emotional, our EQ is a bit higher, right? We're more aware of ourselves, so on and so forth. But we are still wondering, how in the world did they make the pyramids, right? How did they build those great uh, structures? Right? We're, we call them one of the wonders of the world, right? The United States, like Egypt at the time, uh, today is a powerhouse country today. All right, with convenience, comfort, wealth, and prosperity. And let alone, we live in Texas. And among other states, it's very nice. Right? Our creature comforts are very well satisfied here. Where we find ourselves today in this prosperous and nation with idols is no different from Egypt, one of the most powerful nations in its days. And as we are reading through the book of Exodus, we see that God is delivering Israel from Egypt, a nation of many gods, so that they would be able to worship the true God. As one pastor says, 
God is drawing them out so that he can draw them, draw them to him. So before we can be drawn into God, what we have to realize is he wants to draw us out out of idolatry. He wants us to be rescued from Egypt. Because apart from recognizing our idols and repenting of our idolatrous hearts, we will never be able to fully surrender to God. So from today's passage, we will seek to answer this question. How does God deliver us to him? How does God deliver us to him? The first point is this. God deliver, delivers us from sin to him by exposing the idols of our hearts. So we're going to look at chapter 7 and chapter 8. So can we turn to our Bibles there? Exodus chapter 7, and we'll look at all the way to chapter 8. I'll give us a few moments to look there. Let's read the passage today. Let's read it together. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I commanded you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 30, uh, 30, 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourself by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, and that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him, and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it will turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, their canals, their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded, in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the, Nile, uh, struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the magicians of, uh, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by the secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remains hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. 
Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not even take this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Uh, the frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand, your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow. Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall, uh, frog shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh said that there was a respite, but when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there, there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. And the magician tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people, and into your houses, and, into, uh, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. There were great swarms of the flies into the houses of Pharaoh and into his uh, servants' houses throughout all the land of the e Egypt. Uh, throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, "Go, sacrifice to your God within the land." But Moses said, "It would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable, abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, they will not. Will they not stone us?" 
we must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Amen. Okay, Woo, two chapters. I hope uh, that is not the most we've read this uh, quarantine life, right? We're reading our word. Uh, when we go look at this, why did God send the plagues? Why did God send the plagues? Well, a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that the Egyptians, including Pharaoh, so that they will know God, so that they will know who God is. It is the Lord. Uh, you see that in verse 5, you see that in verse 17, right? Uh, another reason why uh, God sent the plagues is, is this. It was a punishment against Pharaoh for his disobedience and not letting his people go. Uh, you can look at it, verse 16. Uh, and the other thing is this, the Lord also used the plagues to teach the Israelites that he's the only true and living God. Uh, interesting enough, if you look at Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, if you'll turn there with me, uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, if you look at verse 5 through 9, uh, this was a time when, when the people of God are now already in the promised land, right? They, they formed Israel, right? One nation, uh, and, and, but the people were not worshiping God. They were worshiping idols and all these things were happening. And so Ezekiel was a prophet that spoke against that. But some of these leaders of Israelites come to Ezekiel and they inquire of the Lord through him. But this is what God uh, says to tell them. If you look at verse 5, it says this, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day, I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. Okay, this is what's, uh, what God is, God is about to do. But this is uh, God speaking about what happened, what we're going through now in the future. But check this out. Uh, and I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this is kind of one of the things that God said. We don't see that in Exodus, uh, but God reveals this. This is what was happening. Uh, verse 8, what happened though? But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Uh, so we, we may think like, oh, Egyptians were the really bad people and, and the Israelites were really the holy ones that wanting to worship God and all that. No, not really. Uh, it's not black and white. Uh, even within the people of Israel, there were these idol worshipers. They gave in to worshiping the idols of the gods of Egypt. So what were some of these gods of Egypt? Uh, uh, we see two. Uh, one was dealing with the Nile River. Okay, and this god, uh, his name was Happy, H-A-P-I. Uh, he was the god of annual flooding in the Nile River. 
And what would happen is annually, uh, a flood would happen. And because of the flood, uh, the waters would uh, deposit rich soil on the edges of the riverbanks. And because of that, the Egyptians were able to grow uh, a lot of good crops. Uh, and so what, what, did good, what did rich soil mean for them? It meant good produce, uh, good commerce, good business, wealth. And they attributed this annual flooding that happened to this God happy. And so because of happy, they were happy. God struck the water. Uh, and, and the play that we see is God strikes the water that is in the Nile and, and out of the Nile, uh, and then it turns into blood. So what's the consequence? Uh, dead fish, terrible stench, and no way they could drink the water. Uh, the Nile could no longer quench their thirst. Uh, another god that was attributed with some of the things that are going on in the plagues was uh, this goddess, Egyptian goddess of fertility named Heket. And she was represented uh, and displayed in a form of a frog. And this goddess was thought to give fertility and childbirth. So uh, the people at that time, they would wear amulets of Heket uh, during childbirth uh, for favor, right? For good childbirth and really accredited new birth and new life to this goddess of Heket. Uh, and it's interesting that God uh, plagues Egypt with this massive amount of frogs. Uh, they thought it was a good thing, but now it's massive amount of frogs coming up on the land and the description goes and went not just in their homes, but really specifically into their bedroom, your bed, like houses of their servants, uh, into the ovens even, and to the kneading bowls. Uh, essentially, the frogs were everywhere, right? And Heket was credited for childbirth, but now massive frogs uh, ruined the land. So these are some of the gods of Egypt during that time. Uh, it makes us wonder and think, what are some of the gods of today? Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to 25. Uh, let's look there. Again, I want us to uh, really open and turn and read the word uh, together. Uh, chapter 1, verse 24 to 25, it says this, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They attributed fertility, uh, this prosperous, even the flood, to these man-made objects rather than giving credit to God. Uh, New City Catechism again defines, and I shared this before, what is idolatry? Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the Creator for our hope and happiness, significance, and security. Uh, so we may not have a God happy or heket, uh, but essentially it can be anything today. Uh, parents, it can be your children. Children, it can be your parents. Husbands and wives, it can be your spouses. Uh, singles, it can be the thought of marriage. Uh, uh, for uh, some of us who are waiting for retirement, it can be retirement. Uh, it can be your job. It can be your ac academic portfolio. Uh, one of the common uh, idols that we, uh, we say is money, right? But there's a whole bunch. Anything can essentially be an idol. Uh, but of course, money is a very common idol. Uh, how much money do we need for happiness? 
Uh, how much money do you need for security? It almost seems you think you have enough until you find out someone has more. Uh, I was watching a, a video that was shared by one of our CG members, and it was about South Korea's growing household debt. Uh, it was shocking. Uh, statistically, it said this, every minute South Korea's household debt rises by $90,000. Every 12 minutes, a Korean is declared bankrupt. Ordinary households now owe some 1.8 times their disposable income. And the country's 3 million mom and pop stores are taking out risky loans with huge interest rates. And even its high school students are borrowing from loan sharks. Uh, and this led, and the, uh, the, the um, what is it, the, the video goes, uh, that a um, suicide was very common, right? And the reason why is because people are ashamed of their debt. So not only is there this idol of money and wealth, but now it's the idol of reputation, what people think of me, causing this uh, great shame. Uh, a lot of these things can be idols. Uh, there's devastating effects. And it's not just South Korea. This can happen anywhere and everywhere. If I were to share a little bit of my own personal story, uh, if I break my life into like middle school, high school, uh, uh, college, and post-college, in middle school, I was obsessed with K-pop. Uh, I, I love this group called uh, Jack's Kiss and H.O.T. And then later, as I grew a little bit older, my obsession became this group called Finkel, a girl group, Finkel and Boa. And I remember having all these CDs and albums and posters and everything. And essentially, I wanted to be the number one fan, right? And then I, I found out someone else did even more crazier things, right? Uh, it's because why? I was finding happiness in, in, what, in these groups, right? And I, uh, like my hairstyle, the way I dressed, a lot of it came from that. Uh, in Korea, they call these groups idols, even, right? Idols, idol, idols. Because people obsess over their appearance, their talents, and so on and so forth. And then later in high school, it, it turned from, uh, you know, artists and celebrities to more so, man, I want to go into college with great reputation. Right? I'm not going to apply to these, some of the schools that uh, are not highly reputable. Right? Uh, I didn't get to, I was too discouraged to apply to Ivy League, but uh, a little bit below that. Right? Why? Because I wanted to be at a school where people were like, wow, you go to that school? Reputation, fine, looking for significance in those things. Uh, in college and after college, it was more, man, my future. Uh, what kind of job, what kind of career do I want? Man, I want to get married, family. So looking towards those things. Uh, and even now, my idols, a lot of times, can be my wife. It can be the church. It can be my abilities. Uh, and, and when I place my idols and significance in those things, uh, man, it's, it's no good. Uh, I see uh, uh, tension and, and um, yeah, it doesn't meet my needs, right? Uh, it, it's never ending, right? It's never ending. Uh, it's because the issue is not just these idols that we have. Uh, because it, as you can see, my life, it, it changed, right? I'm not obsessed over K-pop, but I am obsessed about uh, how my family's doing, how our church is doing, right? My reputation and that. 
Uh, so what is, it's not just the idols, but there's something deeper uh, these, than these things too. So how does God deliver us from uh, sin to Him? Uh, not only does He expose these idols of the day, but He exposes the heart of the idolater. Uh, I want to point specific verses, um, uh, but uh, we'll kind of look at this. Uh, again, it always comes down to the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Uh, God always looks at the heart, and this is the most important thing. Uh, we see kind of the exposition, exposing of the human heart through Pharaoh. Uh, I hope when we read this that we just don't think, oh, Pharaoh, that's a terrible guy. Uh, but we need to be able to be careful of, man, I'm a sinner. He's a sinner. And there can be some similarities and pitfalls that I too can fall into. Uh, let's look at some text today. When you look at chapter 8, verse 15, notice how when there was a break, Right when when the plague came, uh, um, Moses plead to your God that you take away, takes away. When there was a respite, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So isn't that funny, brothers and sisters? Uh, sometimes God uses difficult moments, and uh, sometimes those difficult moments help us to realize, man, it, it shakes our foundation. Maybe even this coronavirus. Right? And because of this, some of us are a little bit more uh, uh, not zoned in into certain things, but trying to zone a little bit more towards God. Right? We're trying to work out our spiritual life, with our walk with Christ. And it's great. I think that's a great thing. Right? God, God may not be the cause of coronavirus, but He will use coronavirus for His glory and for the good of His people. He can and He will. But uh, one of the things I wonder is, once this is gone and we're back to our normal life, we just go back to the way we are. And that's something that we need to take to heart. That's what we see in Pharaoh. Another thing we see about the trickiness of the heart is this. In verse 19, the magicians, uh, the third plague was the one plague that the uh, magicians could not replicate. Um, uh, so it was literally the dust turned into gnats, uh, right? The power of the creator, uh, they couldn't do that, right? They, they were using deception and things. Uh, but uh, these gnats were just a nuisance, right? And so what? The magicians cried to Pharaoh, like, hey, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh does not even take heart to even what his uh, trusted officials and these uh, men say, these magicians say, right? Uh, it reveals this hardness and stubbornness of the heart and the potential for that stubbornness. Uh, if we look at verses uh, 25 to 32, um, notice this. Uh, I'm just going to skip over to 28. Pharaoh says this to Moses, I will let you go and sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, verse 29, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Why was Pharaoh pleading to Moses? It was because he just wanted to, those things to get away. He was cheating and Moses saw that. You're cheating. Don't do that again. Right? Through this incident, we see that a heart is willing to cheat and lie and steal to get his or her way.
Just like we see the evil intent of the heart that is very cunning and conniving while stubborn, uh, this, it, it just shows the problem of our hearts. That is why we need God, as Ezekiel says, He will grant them a new heart and a new spirit, right? And as we peel these layers of our hearts, uh, Tim Keller, pastor, uh, pastor and uh, author of Counterfeit Gods, he identifies four root idols. And if you look at the handout, you'll see this idolatry chart. And this chart uh, was compiled uh, by the information that Tim Keller used in his writing this book. Uh, but it was compiled by this pastor. I want to give credit to where credit is due, but ultimately credit is to the Lord, right? Uh, but here he lists four, four root idols. Uh, power, a longing for influence or recognition. Control a longing to have everything go according to my plan. Comfort, a longing for pleasure and approval, a longing to be accepted or desired. Uh, and if you look at this chart, a lot of these things, it, it doesn't go recognized because it looks actually good. Uh, that's the crazy thing about this. So for someone whose comfort uh, is their driving root idol, they actually look like a very laid back, easygoing guy or a gal, and who would not want to be around them? It looks great. It masquerades in these qualities that looks well. Uh, someone who wants uh, deep root idol is control. What do we see? Competence, right? They're skilled. They're very good at what they do. Of course, these goes unnoticed because we value these things. But when we look at the other, uh, when we look at this chart, notice on the third column, Worst nightmare, right? Or sorry, let's look at the second one. These are the price that we're willing to pay to serve our false gods, to meet, receive these comfort or approval control, right? The person who wants approval, um, right? They want to be liked, right? And they look very friendly. What, what is the price that they're willing to pay? Well, being less independent. They're okay to be told what to do as long as I'm liked. Someone who wants control, right? Uh, I'm willing to give up, right? Loneliness, spontaneity, I, I could give those up as long as I have control, right? These are some of the price that we're willing to pay. I, I hope when we, we can kind of look at this chart uh, and kind of gauge where our hearts may be. Again, it's not just, oh, that's me, and we just label one another, but this really helps us kind of understand even our, our tricky hearts, so to say. Uh, the third column is basically the inverse of the second, uh, what is that we fear the most when we are uh, ruled by these idols? What, what do we not want to happen? Right? When we look at stress, rejection, uncertainty, humiliation, like all of us, we want none of that. But among these, which would be a worst nightmare? Rejection, uncertainty. And the fourth and fifth column, it just shows how this affects us and others. Right? Boredom for the one who desires comfort. But how do other people feel about us? They can be hurt and neglected because they're constantly seeking comfort. Uh, so when we look at these, uh, so even like the person living for control, they'll be filled with anxiety, right? And what would that, and they will make others feel condemned, right? Uh, the person living for the approval man will be filled with fear and cowardice and will make others feel smothered. Right, like me, like, right? 
Uh, again, in, in these cases, we see that these deep root idols really affect us, uh, really sometimes gives us our joy and pleasure. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it's a root idol. And what is it that, uh, how can we overcome, uh, how, can, how does God deliver us from these root idols? And that, that's what our, our final point is. Uh, what is it, how can we overcome and break through these idols? Uh, the third point is this, uh, God delivers us from sin to Him by revealing that He is much better than our idols. Uh, John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Turn there with me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, the gospel writer John says this, uh, the epistle writer John says this, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. How do we do that? So how do I repent of the idol beneath our, the surface, the depths of our hearts? Uh, I'm going to mention another old guy, uh, but a very brilliant man, Thomas Chalmers, who was a Scottish minister who lived between the 1780s and, and 1840s. Uh, he said this, The best way to overcome the world is not with morality or self-discipline. Christians overcome the world by seeing the beauty and excellence of Christ. They overcome the world by seeing something more attractive than the world, and that is Christ. Amen. We repent of our idolatries not by looking ourselves in the mirror and saying, hey, how can I fight this? How can I break through my idol? We, what we do is we repent of these lesser gods these gods are nothing after all compared to the great God who is above all gods. And this is exactly what God is doing by showing his power through these plagues. All these Egyptian idols are nothing compared to him. Same with today. What are the idols of your hearts? What do you, do, what do you so long for? Those things can only be fully and completely met in Jesus Christ. We repent of our longings by this. Those who desire power, we submit to God's great power that works within us. We submit to His great power. Those who want control, we surrender to the one who has the ultimate control. Those who are seeking comfort and pleasure, we remember that He is the greatest comfort and pleasure of our souls. Those who seek to be approved, we rejoice in God's delight and pleasure over us. His power is greater, His control is perfect, His comfort is satisfying, and His approval is eternal. And there is no one like our God. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, I hope through today's message and through the passage today that we see that God is delivering us from sin ultimately to Him. And we ought to, how, do, how should we respond? Is we, we admit our sinful idols, our idolatrous hearts. We believe that there is no one greater than Jesus Christ. And we confess each of these idols that we have and we serve. So in conclusion, we mentioned, how can I surrender to the Lord? Well, we can't hold Jesus on one hand and we can't hold our idols on the other. 
we must let go and hold on and cling on to Jesus as we see His beauty, His goodness, and faithfulness to us. And I pray that today, through today's message, through our worship today, that our hearts would be drawn to His magnificence and His love to you and me. Let's pray together. Let me give us a few topics for us to pray. I think first thing is this. Um, what are the idols that we serve today? Uh, we, we look to, for them for significance, value, comfort. Uh, they meet our root idols to a certain degree, uh, but it doesn't meet in a way that only Christ can. So let's, can we take a moment to really confess the idolatrous hearts that we have? And not just only for you, but even our, our community. What are some of the idols of our LNF community? What are some things that we're trying to seek that only, only Christ can really be our needs? Uh, I think some of it is uh, community. I think we love community and that's a great thing. But we're so focused on the community of God that we don't focus on the communing with God. Uh, but we need to repent of those things. We won't experience God's love and power uh, if we're grabbing onto two things at once. So church, would you join me? And, and I need to repent too. Uh, but let's pray. God, forgive us of our idolatrous hearts. Forgive us of the idols of today. And, and God, show us your beauty once again, magnificent once again. Let's just pray for that one prayer request. Uh, can we take some time to pray uh, really together? Um, and then I'll, I'll close us in prayer and I'll give the benediction for us. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, I think today's word may it—it's—it's uh, uh, it's, your word is a light, Lord, where it it brings to light things that are in darkness. And and as I reflect upon your word, Lord, I I sense the happening in my where Lord these. These thoughts and attitudes and postures that I have have been exposed by your uh, marvelous grace. And Lord, forgive me. I'm a man that seeks and, and fears people more than you, Lord. God, would you forgive us in the way that we desire power and control as if that is ours, when it's only rightfully yours? And that in order for us to have some sense of control and organization, it's, it's really clinging on to you as the one who is the organizer, the sovereign Lord of all. 
uh, Lord, uh, we, we are people who uh, want to be comforted and, and love convenience, but uh, Lord, all of that is not met through our ways, but you're the God of comfort, the true God uh, of pleasure and delight. Uh, God, those of us who want power uh, and control, approval and comfort, Lord, uh, forgive us and uh, Lord, that you would once again uh, heal us uh, and would you do that by showing that you are much greater uh, than these lesser gods which are nothing, Lord. I pray that you would revive our hearts as a church, that you would expose these idols and really deliver us uh, from these chains, uh, that you would break us free to the blood of Jesus Christ so that we would cling on to the hope that is only found in Christ, the comfort that is only found in Christ, the power that is only found in Christ, Lord. So God, Lord, we don't want to be half-hearted creatures, Lord, but we want to be wholly devoted to you. So God, to that end, God, would you work mightily and powerfully. God, we thank you for your word that exposes and really navigates us to you. We thank you for the spirit, indwelling spirit who yearns for wholehearted devotion and surrender to you. And God, thank you that we as a church can really rally together so that, Lord, that we would hold on to you, Lord, especially through these times and even after these times, Lord. And so God, once again, we thank you. We're humbled by your love and your grace. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, all forevermore. Amen. See
Jesus, come back.